Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. Thanks, Simon. Like you said, start of school holidays, that's exciting for so many people. Uh, I think, is this, am I right in saying this, it's the first time since 2019 that the kids have done a full term at the start of the year. So that's amazing when you think how long it's been since uh, some sort of normal has returned. So for those of you watching online, you're already on holidays, enjoy the holiday. It's a fantastic weekend, um, which is really great weather-wise. Thanks, guys. It's all good. Thank you. That's all right. I I wasn't sure if they were waiting for me. So um, Trent and Sarah away this morning. They're in Coffs Harbour having a few days away. So They'll be enjoying, I think, um, I communicated with Trent this morning because it's his birthday today and um, it stopped raining there, so they're happy about that, I think. Uh, Ruth's down in Geelong this morning, she left early. I said, make sure, you know, you check Google Maps because the Grand Prix's on today and that could muck up your travel time. But as it turned out, she said there was less traffic than there normally is, so which is really, really good. Rev, um, we're in the second week of a new series, it's called A New Beginning, and um, I want to talk to you a little bit about what you need for a fresh start. We have a, a vegetable garden at home. Uh, this season, the results were not quite what Ruth wanted. She complained that the tomatoes weren't ripening and a few of the other bits and pieces just didn't turn out like they, they're supposed to based on the photos. You know, the eager photos of seedlings. or what, and, and, and for whatever reason, they just didn't turn out like they were supposed to. And so she was disappointed. But the disappointment multiplied the, the longer there were the results she wanted. Finally, she got to a point where she said, that's it, I've had enough. I'm going to pull it all out. I'm going to start again. I said, well, that's okay, no problems. That's what you do with vegetables sooner or later anyway. Um, they don't live perpetually. And, and, um, and, and so she, what she was really saying is, I want a fresh start at this, a fresh go at it. And so what we did, I helped her. We pulled out everything. We put some more fertilizer in the soil. Um, she bought some new vegetables that she was going to put in, and she's starting again. Now, there are multiple reasons why things didn't turn out like they were supposed to. There was a whole lot of rain um, in spring last year, and apparently that mucked up a whole lot of things. I don't know, because well, I'm not an expert. Uh, there wasn't the right sun at the right time. She said the soil that I put there was the wrong soil. I, 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 I don't, we don't know why. I mean, the soil was fine the year before, but suddenly, somehow the soil the next year wasn't the right soil. But, but the bottom line is this, it got to a point where her disappointment was such, she said, that's it, I'm just going to start all over again. Said, yeah, no problems. I think what really took the cake was she planted what she thought was a capsicum plant. <laughs> and, um, and it was Thursday one morning, most of you know, Thursday morning, 6.30, she does a soap meeting with a bunch of people online. I had a Zoom meeting starting at uh, 8 o'clock on Thursday morning. Did I say Sunday or Thursday? Thursday. I said Thursday, not tithes and offerings on the seat or anything. (laughs) Um, And so it was was a Thursday morning, 5 to 8. I just like to be ready because the meeting was starting at 8 a.m. and there was a bunch of people from various countries around the world. So it was was really important I was ready to go. So 5 to 8, I clicked to join... And I hear this massive scream. I thought, oh no, 
what's gone wrong. So quickly disconnected, run into the kitchen thinking, you know, fingers gone. Well, who knows what, <laughs> just didn't know what I was running into. And I find Ruth going, plah, plah, into the sink. I'm, what, what, what's going on? <laughs> She'd been out to her veggie garden, spotted one of the capsicums and took it and took a big bite out of it because she loves fresh capsicums. Turns out it wasn't a capsicum. It was a chilli. And um, I, I, some of you guys are experts with gardening and everything. And I think, you know, that's actually the, the final trigger. I'm going to rip everything out. That's it. I've had enough. So, um, so just a warning, you know, um, take a little bite if you're testing something before you take the big bite. It was funny, you know, she's got some Greek yogurt in the fridge and she's getting the yogurt and just <laughs> trying to... I, I laughed for a little while and then quickly went back to my Zoom meeting. So. <laughs> the tricky part is this. We can do all of that and hope that we get better results or better fruitfulness out of the veggie garden, but there are some things that won't change. Number one, the primary gardener is Ruth. It's not me because uh, she does better than I. But you can't change that. You can't change the fact that they're vegetables. At the end of the day, vegetables are vegetables. You can't, we can't change the climate. Um, you know, the sun and the rain still come. There's a whole bunch of factors that can't change. The, the few things we can change are very small, but they make a significant difference when it comes to fruitfulness. Now, we're not talking about vegetables today, but we are talking about a fresh start. You know, some things that I wrote down that... When it comes to a fresh start, some of the factors that come to mind are this. Attitude, humility, permission, focus, vision, discipline, resilience, persistence, past history, strengths, weaknesses, opportunity, and it goes on and on and on. And so if you're considering a fresh start, while it's nice in theory, it's not necessarily as easy as you would like to think. I want to read to you this morning from the parable of the rich man in Luke 19, uh, sorry, Luke 16, verse 19. It says this, there was a rich man who, who was dressed in purple and fine linen, lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Time came when the beggar died, the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich, rich man also died and was buried in Hades where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. And so he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime... You received your good things, and while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here, and you're in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers, let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, that Moses and the prophets let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to, the, he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. 
Now, this parable is really quite an interesting parable. Jesus is trying to make some points. The point I want to make from it this morning is this. There is a trigger to a fresh start. And if you read the parable carefully, what you'll find is the rich man is talking to Abraham and he's saying, listen, there needs to be a trigger in those that I've left behind, my brothers. And, um, you know, if someone like Lazarus comes back from the dead and talks to my brothers, that'll trigger a fresh start. And of course, you know, as it goes through the parable, you'll find that, uh, that, that, that really Jesus said, that's not going to make a difference either. They're not going to change because they don't want to change. For all of us, what's required for a fresh start is some sort of trigger. Now, sadly, what happens for some people is they have a heart attack. And when they have a heart attack, what happens is their response is, that's it, I'm going to eat properly from now on, I'm going to exercise. Uh, uh, there's a trigger, and that trigger is fear, and it produces a change in some, but not all. In Lazarus, uh, sorry, in the rich man's circumstance, he's at a place of agony or torment. Good to see you guys. All the way from Queensland, for those of you who don't know the Morgans. Um, and just spot, I thought, hang on, there's a face I recognise, <laughs> or two actually. <laughs> um, and so what happens is there's a trigger hit for him there that produces a need or a desire for change in others. Now, in our day-to-day lives, there is a trigger that's required for a fresh start. And when you think about the various triggers there are, there are multiple different ones. Sometimes it's fear, sometimes it's regret, sometimes it's boredom, sometimes it's a a lack of fulfillment. There is something somehow, some way that will trigger a fresh start for you. We know that at the beginning of the year, 1st of January, uh, for whatever reason, lots of people make all of these commitments and promises as if somehow the 1st of January has got more power than every other day, and they make promises, and by about the 3rd or 4th of January, they've forgotten what they promised, and it never happens. Fresh starts are nice in theory. The trouble is, when we head into a fresh start, we take one constant companion with us, and that's ourselves. And so my challenge to you is to consider what it is that is a trigger for you with regard to a fresh start. You know, in, in the book of Acts, let me read to you, Peter is preaching to a large crowd, he says, and this is part of his sermon, he says, therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, and for all who are far off, and for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number 
that day. Verse 37, if I go back to that, he, the, the response, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Now again, there is something that happens here. Peter is preaching. The people receive what he is saying and realize that they've probably done the wrong thing. It says they were cut to the heart. In other words, there's this wound on the inside of them. It's a, it's a moment of regret, a moment of disappointment, a moment where they think, wow, we've really missed the boat here. And so, so what they're saying is, what do we do now? Peter gives them a quick answer, but then follows up to increase the feeling of regret that they had. And the reason he does that is because the reality is one trigger is not usually enough for a fresh start. One trigger or one point is not usually enough to bring about change in your life. As we read here, you know, he he says that they're to repent and be baptised. To get to a point of a fresh start, there needs to be a willingness to change. And the biggest challenge to us changing is our willingness to change. The reality is most of the time, in theory we want to change, but in practice we don't. And all the while, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. He speaks to us about what we say, what we think, what we do, how we conduct ourselves with other people. There are so many things that the Holy Spirit prompts us about. But he doesn't do it once, he does it multiple times, over and over and over and over again in the hope that we'd be ready to respond. The most powerful trigger to change is that which comes from God, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. Sadly, what happens most of the time is the trigger is most felt in a public place, where you've got the least time to respond. Too many people don't have those triggers happen at home when they're by themselves can actually process it. But the Holy Spirit persists and continues. There's a story of the importunate woman, we'll get to her in a moment. But, you know, just feeling the need to change is not change itself. Feeling bad about something you've done is... Is not, a, is not an adequate response to a prompt for change. You can't go from nasty to nice simply because you feel bad. You can't go from stingy to generous simply because there's a prompting in you. It's a process of change. You can't go from violent to peaceful. There's a significant um, internal struggle that goes on inside of you. And so it may seem like I'm being pessimistic about change. No, I think I'm being realistic. The great thing is in Christ, we're new creations. We're born again, if you like. We get the opportunity to start over anew. But that credit is given to us in the heavenly realms. The reality is we are still who we are here and now. And so we're changed in a moment in time and reconciled to God, but at the same time, we're in the process of change here and now. But it's a long and hard slog. It doesn't come easy, and, and, and it might not sound encouraging what I'm saying. I'm just saying, hey, listen, if you feel that way, don't worry, you're not alone. We're all in the same place. 
change can be difficult. Acknowledging the need for change is only the first step. Luke 18 says this, And Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. There was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And this story is about a woman who persists or nags. She goes on and on and on and on and finally... You guys who are laughing and looking at your wife are going to be in big trouble later. i just seen a couple of them. <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, eventually the judge gets to the point and he says, that's it, I've had enough of this woman. Because un- unless I respond, she's just going to keep at me over and over and over again. And it seems like a strange story in some ways, but Jesus is saying, that's exactly what you've got to do in prayer. Can I say that's exactly what you've got to do when it comes to change? It's no good making an excuse. It's no good, you know, so many people say, well, that's just me. Well, it's just you because you choose to be that way. So you have the power to change the way that you think and the way that you act if you want. And the Holy Spirit's desire is to move on you and in you to bring about that change as well. The question is, are we willing to change? You know, the trigger we, we, we may experience could be fear, it could be regret, hopefully it's conviction. Conviction's the most powerful. Our acknowledgement says something about our humility, our responsiveness and our sensitivity. Have you ever been told to change by someone you don't want to hear it from? It's hard to be humble in those times. It's like, you know, in, in, in married life, husband or wife, you don't want to hear from your husband or your wife what you already know you're struggling with yourself. Every now and again, I buy licorice all sorts. Ruth, again, do you really need them? And why do you eat the whole pack at once? And, oh, I don't no, Just let, I'm just eating them. <laughs> I've got lots of theories about that. She said, why do you eat the whole pack at once? I said, I'm going to eat them sooner or later, so I may as well enjoy them all now. What's the point in putting it off, you know? <laughs> but but the, it's irritating when someone addresses something in you that you already know you need to address yourself, right? And that's where, where we need to move to a place of humility and accept that sometimes what we need is multiple prompts and God chooses who He chooses to prompt us. And that's frustrating as well. I think He should choose better people. Because <laughs> sometimes you think, hang on, that person said that? How, who are they? What, what would they know? But 
The goal of the Holy Spirit is to work on you and in you so that there's a trigger for change and what's required from us is the humility and responsiveness to the work of the Holy Spirit, whether it be directly through the Bible as we read it, through time of prayer or through somebody else. What He's looking for is our willingness to respond. Do you know the people on the day of Pentecost who stood and listened to Peter as he was preaching? They probably despised him. Peter was a fisherman. He wasn't, he wasn't someone high up in society. He, he, he was one of the rebels that was wandering the earth with Jesus. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't someone that was impressive. And while his sermon is great... He wasn't known for his elocution either. And and so the people that were listening somehow got past what they thought of the vessel God was using and they allowed themselves to be ready to respond. And when they asked, when they were cut to the heart, they looked beyond Peter, the messenger, to the place where they received from God what they really needed and they said, what do we need to do? You know, a decision to change or a fresh start requires not only attitude, but action and perseverance. You know, breaking old habits is a, is a difficult task. There are so many books and tools that you can uh, use or read to help with that, but it doesn't make it easy. They all promise to make it easy. Do you know, on TV... They advertise light and easy, Jenny Craig, Weight Watchers, I don't know, there's a gazillion ways and the reason they're advertising is is to help people lose weight and if you listen to the advertisements, look at the images, they are working on you to bring about an outcome they think you want and the goal, it's, it's easy isn't it, the goal is to make it easy for you to change. The man shake, or the, what's that? Is there another one? The lady shake. I'm not, that sounds more like a dance. The man shake doesn't, but <laughs> what's the goal? The goal is to make it easy for you to lose weight quickly. They're trying to trigger the need for change and to make the change easy. The reality is not so easy. You know, letting go of old ways and taking up new ones is a challenging task. We are new creations, but also progressively being changed. Your attitude, your action, your perseverance can reap rewards, but it's not simple. We do need to exercise humility and allow God to speak to us and and teach us a better way. Do you know, hopefully... Hopefully, you know, spring and summer will produce a change in the veggie garden for us at home. But it didn't come without effort. I won't talk to you about it if it doesn't result, or maybe, who knows. (laughs) But it takes effort. It takes time. It takes a new approach, a fresh approach. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. I take a few moments to speak about this for a second. No matter how much you feel you're failing, in Christ we're born again. Fresh start, 
given to us, granted to us, nothing we did has enabled us to achieve that. It's something given to us by God and, and we live in the luxury of that choice. But at the same time, Paul speaks about in Corinthians the fact that we're changed from glory to glory. What he means is there is a progressive change that takes place in you and I. It takes place over time. And the goal is that we become more like Christ as we continue on in life. And the reason it takes time is because the people responding take a long time to respond. I don't know about you, but we've spent a long time on the phone to Qantas lately. And unfortunately, the changes we want to make don't usually, don't usually happen. We just keep getting frustrated. Ruth was on the phone the other morning early, and it got to two hours, and she's walking on the treadmill with the phone in her hand. And I'm in my office, so her treadmill's outside my office window. I'm in my office, so I was doing some work. And, and all of a sudden, she turns up and she goes... What she, what she was trying to say is, the phone dropped out. After two hours of multiple discussions with a person to resolve a problem, and she walked faster on the treadmill after that. Don't you worry. <laughs> she was not too happy at all. And there's nothing you could do but start all over again. And sometimes, you know, change feels like that. You make a decision that you want to do something different or act a certain way, and then you fail. And then you think, do I just give up? No, 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 don't give up. Try again. Most change takes a considerable time to implement, but it does happen step by step. And as as Paul says, we're changed from glory to glory. And, and, And the idea is that God and who he is somehow shines on our life and people outside of us see something of God in us. But he's saying that's, that's just the beginning. The more you get to see of God, the more likely it is that you will change and others will see another aspect of God through you. And so when he's saying about glory to glory, God's glory is his reputation. It's it's the, an extension of who he is. It's like, um, it's, it's not who he is, it's who he is said to be. It's, it's, it's like there are aspects, you know, it goes back to Exodus and, and, and 33 where Moses said, show me your glory. What was, what was God's response? He said, no, I won't show you my glory, but I'll show you part of my goodness. You can't contain all of who I am. But he didn't show him himself. He only showed a part of who he is, that which emanated from him. Do you know, most of us don't look at a light. Do you know why? Because you end up with spots in your eyes, don't you? Is that right? But all of us benefit from what comes from the light. And it's the same with God. It's like God's glory is the light that we see or the brightness that we see, but we can't afford to see him as he actually is. We can only see part of who he is. And what God wants to do in you is change you from glory to glory so that you become more like Christ, so the others around about you find you more palatable, more attractive. And so that as you walk through life, you experience fruitfulness. 
that is both personally beneficial, but even better than that, beneficial to everyone around about you. A fresh start. We've, we've all got an opportunity of a fresh start. The question is whether or not we'll take it. I want to finish this morning by reading you Psalm 101. It's a very personal psalm. Because David's saying some things here. Saying what he wants to be like. He's saying what he wants to do. And I want to encourage you, sometime this week, write down one or two areas where, where you feel God wants you to change. Don't, don't pick five, six, seven or eight. Don't listen to the people around you who have got 10, 15 or 20. But take one or two. And say, Holy Spirit, what is it you want me to do in this area of my life? So Paul writes this, I will sing of your love and your justice. To you, O Lord, I will sing praise. Here, and and that's, that's a decision he made. And you know, when we come together on Sunday morning, that's what we do. Ultimately, it's about acknowledging him and who he is. Verse 2, I will be careful to lead a blameless life. When will you come to me? I will conduct the affairs of my house with a blameless heart. I will not look with approval on anything that is, a vi- that is vile. I hate what faithless people do. I'll have no part in it. The perverse of heart shall be far from me, and I will have nothing to do with what is evil. Whoever slanders their neighbor in secret, I will put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, I will not tolerate. My eyes will be on the faithful in the land, that they may dwell with me. The one whose walk is blameless will minister to me. No one who practices deceit will dwell in my house. No one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence. Every morning I will put to silence all the wicked in the land, and I will cut off every evildoer from the city of the Lord. So David has sat down and he's penned what he wants to do. My question to you is, what would you write? In a moment where the Holy Spirit is prompting you to change, what would you write? I I, I mean, what, what... David has written there is overwhelming. So many things. What would you write if it was just one or two things? Yeah, promise not to lose my temper as quickly as I do normally. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to read my Bible more regularly. What is it that the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do? You've got a chance of a new beginning, a fresh start. It does require humility does require persistence but ultimately it requires your action there's a trigger I don't know what your trigger is but use it to your advantage that you might be changed from glory to glory Father I thank you today for the way that you speak to every single one of us I thank you that while you know us you know us absolutely and completely you know every thought we have every motive, every action, every regret. Well, you know us completely, Father. You still love us. You still reach out to us. You still work on us and you still work in us. Father, our desire together today is simply to respond to your prompting because we know the change that that you want to bring in our life is not only for our good, but for the good of those around about us as well. 
So our prayer today is this. Just touch us today and help us to respond favorably to you, I ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.